Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perrant. And I'm Brad Binkley. Talk radio pioneer and great Rush Limbaugh dies. Ditto heads hang low. And I have to say, I am, uh, I... That's it's a sad day. He was a real pioneer. I absolutely think that he was pushing an agenda. He derailed people from truly defending the Constitution. He supported Republicans. He took sides. But as a talk radio pioneer, he was one of those examples I use as someone who basically created the genre and always remained the absolute best so that the entire industry is basically people who were copying him. And when I was first asked, I was asked by a a radio coach. He said, who do you who do you like the most? And I said, well, the best by far is for sure Rush Limbaugh. I said, uh, half of the stuff I disagree with and the other half, I think he's lying, but I still like to listen to it. Now that is a really an accomplishment. So it's, uh, I have to tip my hat to his greatness, whether I think he, he works for the real deep state or not. Yeah, Rush was fantastic at what he does. He was the best. He was funny. He was a great storyteller. His timing was fantastic. He knew how to let a pause sit. He knew how to make a point and then let that point land so that it really impacted his audience. And he, he knew how to put pictures in people's heads with the way he told stories. His sense of humor was my favorite. Uh, he was a funny guy and... Oftentimes, his words were taken literally, similar to the way they do Trump, when it was obviously a joke. I I tell people, because oftentimes you'll say something about Rush Limbaugh, and they'll get a look of disgust on their face. In fact, last night, I was saying this to somebody, and I said, have you ever actually listened to him, or do you just hate him because liberals are supposed to hate him? And the person stopped and didn't say anything, and I was like, listen, and I bet you think he's funny and entertaining. You might not agree with him, but I bet you're entertained along the way and he was an entertainer and he also a lot of people what they remember about Rush especially if they're on the left is that he's a provocateur and the things they're saying on Twitter right now the hashtag uh, rest in piss the hashtag Satan and a lot of it is Republicans commenting but it is also Democrats literally tweeting things like that which is is a comment on the culture that, that we are in right now but what I liked about Rush is that he would oftentimes veer off of the original message or topic that he's on, and he would talk about stuff that was very, very inspiring and positive and optimistic. His message about Tiger Woods' comeback, Tiger Woods' overcoming, what he said about Tiger Woods is he said, the next time you are worried about what people think of you, remember Tiger Woods. Remember Tiger Woods. And he went through Tiger Woods' fall from grace, his attempts to come back that kept failing, and how everybody did not like him, his haters out there, how nobody believed he'd ever come back, how he was being judged, how he was insecure psychologically and emotionally. And 
he overcame anyway. And his point was to tell the audience that they also can overcome when people are judging them, when people are telling them they can't do what they think they can do, that you don't have to take the judgment of others and impose them on yourself because they don't know. They don't know any more than you do. And you can overcome those those haters and those judgers. And he also talked a lot about how he didn't go to college and how that does not hold you back, that the standards that other people hold themselves and the system to don't have to be imposed upon you and that you can achieve anyway, despite the limitations. And that was the best part of Rush to me. That actually reminds me of a couple of things. I uh, led saying I think the guy was an inside job, and I do. But it was definitely limited. There were some parameters around that. And specifically, he tried to, I think, leverage his sports stuff and, and make a foray into TV. He did all that, but he was shut down and shot down. And that's when they they kind of set him up or outed him for his drug use, drug addiction. So he had a real public fall from grace that I don't think was fake. I think he just that was a damaging thing that shows to me that there is they want to keep either there are two factions at the level he's operating and he was with the Republican Bush guys or there's just the whole two party psyop has the silos. And when you get somebody like that who doesn't know that he's got to stay in his lane, you got to take him down. And the other thing that I did like about him is that he would suggest uh, what is considered conspiracy theories that really persuaded just because it came out of his mouth, tens of millions of people. I remember one specific thing and he just would slide them out there. He would never harp on it. He would just slide it out there. And one of them was that he said he believed that the progressive tax rate was actually very big picture, highly regressive in that it was there to keep kind of middle America, the most educated, most productive from having surplus wealth in order so that they don't what I would say pull a Ron Paul and so when I've said that people are like oh Rush says that therefore you don't sound crazy to me but he had plenty of that that kind of shored up some of the underpinnings of my bigger theories too so I respect him yeah, and he also admitted publicly his drug addiction on his show. That's a tough thing. I mean, that is really that making making yourself vulnerable. I think this is an important question about what's moving forward because talk conservative talk radio, which has had a big influence, the question is going to be who's next, who's going to replace him. I don't and know what's the answer. They must yeah, know that. I don't think nobody can replace him, but conservative talk radio has been fading anyway. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes from there. And his wife did make the announcement. I actually heard it live because I was riding home. It was sad. And they didn't they haven't said who's going to replace him yet. You didn't catch that. I know. Huh. Weird. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, That's maybe maybe it'll be just a a lot of different people. I mean, Mark Stein always filled in for him. He was only 70. Yeah. See, I think that's young. Yeah. Moving on from the sad news on to (laughs) the brazen kind of laughable circusy news. Yes. So Donald (laughs) Trump, as we said yesterday, he made a drive-by, a drive-and-wave-by on President's Day, and his supporters rallied around it, and they cheered as he drove by, and he could be seen lipping, I love you to them, I love you, and 
First he waves, then he speaks through a letter, a statement released by his super PAC, Save America. And in this letter that was published yesterday, it's a three-page letter, he calls Mitch McConnell a political hack. Here's what he says. This is the important part, at least I think. Mitch is a dour, sullen, and unsmiling political hack, and if Republican senators are going to stay with him, they will not win again. He will never do what needs to be done or what is right for our country. Where necessary and appropriate, I will back primary rivals who espouse making America great again and our policy of America first. We want brilliant, strong, thoughtful, compassionate leadership. So this entire letter sounds like a campaign, sounds like the beginning of a campaign rally speech. It is kind of forward looking and he's saying we a lot, we're going to do this. And this to me, and we also had Don Jr. appear earlier in the week, the, this increasing level of exposure for to the Trumps. And we have March 17th coming up, or March 4th, that date that QAnon people think that Trump is going to be inaugurated. Today's February 17th. We see the exposure of Trump amping up. I think that this is amping up to that March 4th date to stir things up again, to give some breadcrumbs to people. The price at the Trump hotels are like triple, you know, in D.C. Yeah, we... uh I I think that this also follows on what I was saying yesterday, that Lindell and Sidney Powell are starting a pack called Restore the Republic. They say it's for constitutionalists. But I noted that at the same time, Mitch McConnell said he was going to wade into the primary races. So I think it's this is not only about the microcosm of Trump. It's about the bigger picture of how the Republican Party once more descends into schism. Yes. He talked about years. Yeah. Yeah. He talked about the disaster in Georgia it related to McConnell as well. He focused a lot on there. And on top of that, Steve Bannon earlier in the week was in Boston pitching to Boston Republicans his plan to make Donald Trump House Speaker by getting him voted into the Senate where he will then clean house, get Pelosi out of there, impeach Biden, and then in 2024 run for president again. That's the plan he's pushing. He couldn't be House Speaker if he's voted into the Senate, but he could be the House Speaker even if he's not in the House or anything like the Speaker of the House does not have to be a congressman. And as a senator, you would maybe be the Senate majority leader like Mitch McConnell. And if they could, if they if they put him in there from Boston, if he was elected to the Senate in Boston, he could he would flip that majority. Yeah, that's what they would say if they retook the majority. And Bannon said they need to get rid of Pelosi totally. And then Trump is going to impeach Biden because of all the illegitimate activities of stealing the presidency. Of course, the article is like echoing that false claim about the election fraud. And there is precedent to this a little bit. Trump would become, if this were to happen, the second United States president to serve in Congress after leaving the the White House following in John Quincy Adams footsteps, who served nine post-presidential terms as a U.S. representative from Massachusetts. And like Trump, Adams also boycotted his successor's inauguration after losing his reelection bid. But unlike Trump, the article says he didn't encourage an insurrection. (laughs) Maybe he did. It's much more likely back then than now. That was a long time ago. Bannon at least has given us some entertainment with this idea. Yeah, he's an entertaining guy, that's for sure. And, you know, he's to me, he's he's a Mercer deep state guy, like operating at a higher level or maybe the same level as Rush. But it's that kind of thing that his 
we talked a lot. We did a recent podcast yet to be released with a podcasting friend of ours about Q and Bannon's backstory provides some of the color, some of the backdrop of the Q thing. There's also a dialectic emerging around the, quote, insurrection. I do not think there was an insurrection. But I saw an article in the Washington Times about John Sullivan, who has a history of Antifa, of Black Lives Matters, was arrested in August as a protester saying, you know, they want to pull Trump out. He had shown he had videotaped the insurrection himself saying uh, inciting things and also uh, videotaped the Ashley Babbitt shooting sold that for tens of thousands of dollars to CNN and 35k to NBC and CNN Yeah. yeah 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 so that I saw that article tweeted it out right away within minutes of my kind of looking at different articles. There was another article about Jonathan Gennaro Mellis, who count Hughes adamantly annoyed that anyone would suggest that Antifa was behind the quote insurrection. He says, we proudly take responsibility for storming the castle. We are fighting for election integrity. And of course, they were not fighting for election integrity. They foiled any potential process. What is I this did, person's name again? Sorry. That's Jonathan Gennaro Mellis. Yeah. And like he, I, I will say, you know, people don't like it and I get uh, pushback. There are a lot of Proud Boys and Boogaloo Boys and as I always say, Oath Keepers for sure, who are are no part of any kind of conspiracy. They don't, they're not fake. They're not psyops. It is a totally appealing message that we need to restore the Constitution and and that it, it, if, if the process is failed, then we live in a post-constitutional world and the Constitution is going to have to be restored the same way it was established in the first place. Well, it was established as a coup against the Articles of Confederation, but you get what I'm saying. So I don't I don't dismiss or diminish at all the law abiding, like real true law. Don't touch me or my stuff. Self-defending members of these organizations. I'm saying that they were set up by these uh, unusual origin stories to serve this very role. But people want me to, they often ask, you know, offer that I should get a little more educated and that they will help. So I will respond and maybe get a little more educated on that. But just for the record, I don't think that, uh, I don't think the rank and file are full of it. I think John Sullivan, obviously, is full of it and there to look full of it. Yeah. So there's a dialectic. For yeah, it. you're right. That is perfectly placed for the dialectic. Literal video of an Antifa person shouting at Trump people to go tear the place down and burn it down. And then he sells it for 35K to two networks. It, it, it couldn't be more set up to be a provocation. And we talked yesterday about Raphael Warnock and Stacey Abrams and the New Georgia project that is tied to them. It's being investigated. This is a Stacey Abrams founded organization. It's one of those activist organizations that gets people registered to vote and basically vote harvesting type scenario going on and trains people in activism. Well, Georgia election officials are now referring for possible criminal prosecution, a potential voter fraud case involving the New Georgia project. And Raphael Warnock was named in the document. The Democrat elected senator is one of the respondents in the case because of his ties to the group. Now, the New Georgia Project is accused of submitting 
1,268 voter registration applications after the 10-day deadline to do so. So they missed the dead. This missed deadline caused the voters to be disenfranchised in March of 2019 in the special election, according to Brad Raffensperger's statement. We'll see if it goes anywhere. I wonder if Raffensperger just wants to look like he's I doing think something. That's exactly what I think this is. That's the Especially first thought I had. against yeah. Democrats. I do not trust Raffensperger at all. So when I saw him quoted in this article, I started off optimistic. Right. And then I went, oh, right. Right. I don't trust this guy. Yeah. Well, George is a blue state anyway, so it doesn't matter anymore. Right. George is blue light New York, according to SNL. So let me tell you about the uh, more investigation I did on the Texas blackouts. Yeah, I want to hear about this. Yeah. So the Texas blackouts were... This is what happened. So Texas had this cold snap. It wasn't the craziest cold snap ever. There, it, I think the, the lows... Let me see. I wrote a few of these things down. The Austin low this time around was eight degrees. The record low in Austin was negative two degrees Fahrenheit in 1949, January 31st. The average low is a lot higher than that. But uh, in the past 10 years, Austin hit 17 degrees Fahrenheit, which is well below freezing. And what they did was they claimed that because of all of this, the electricity demand at 69 watts was uh, kind of broke the system. Now, in 2018, in the summer, the peak demand was something like 73 megawatts. It's megawatts, I think. Some say gigawatts, but I think it's megawatts. Some of the articles seem to get it wrong, but I could be wrong. Anyway, so so the argument is because the summer demands a lot. AC takes a lot more electricity than heat does. Because he is mostly gas, a lot of it's gas, but it takes the power, it takes some, some of the pressure off. But so then they had to make up a bunch of stuff that justified how the system could break under these circumstances. And they said, well, uh, there was moisture in the gas pipelines and the gas could not be pumped out and diesel engines wouldn't even start. And uh, there was maintenance that we do now in anticipation of the summer. But I looked into each of those things and it is just not crystal clear that all of those things would come together to reduce capacity by over 50 percent. They're saying like 45 megawatts, some article said, came offline. And I, I looked into some of these things to see if it was plausible that that actually pretty small shift in uh, in temperature could make that kind of a problem. And like in the in the in the gas pipelines, if there is moisture, it, that can cause a freezing problem just because of a change in pressure having nothing to do with outside temperatures. So they should have vetted that that should be a familiar to people and it should have been out in the system. Diesel engines. I looked it up because my brother has a truck and I was like, diesel definitely doesn't stop starting at eight degrees and i looked and it's like 40 degrees below zero that you start that you can't that diesel fuel gels for example and uh so anyway the whole point is that they were instituting rolling blackouts to get ahead get ahead of a problem so it's not like a relay blew up it's that they were kind of trying to get ahead of it they're doing the same thing with the water they're like oh well um you're not getting any water right now for some like complicated reasons and i found the upshot of it all the upshot of it all it all comes from the narrative being 
spewed out by Professor Ed Hers, who's the Department Department of Energy at the University of Houston. He's a Yale guy, kind of by training and affiliation. And what he's saying is that Texas, which has its own power grid, it's run by ERCOT, which is a it's like a system called Electric Reliability Council of Texas. It's a membership based nonprofit governed by a board of directors. And it's overseen by the Public Utility Commission of Texas and the Texas legislature. So those guys were making decisions that were impacting how ERCOT was rolling out their recommendations, including allowing some price spikes that automatically triggered this like shutdown offload thing that flowed through the system and it really caused problems. It, its members include consumers, electric cooperatives, generators, power marketers, retail electric providers, investor-owned electric utilities, and municipally-owned electric utilities. So these guys are getting a lot of heat. And what this Ed Hers is saying is that because of this Wild West free market in energy, the these providers are not getting paid enough to maintain their equipment. And as a result, you're getting a USSR slash Venezuela type crisis of shoddy infrastructure. That just makes no sense because the USSR in Venezuela is a problem of having no supply and demand involved. When you have supply and demand, capitalists do not think that short term. You have to think longer term. This would be a complete breach of everything we have ever seen from capitalism. And he's suggesting, of course, that this needs more government oversight and that that's the problem. They are trying to pull away this kind of deregulated system. It's a bad example for the rest of the country and they're trying to discredit it but if you look closely you will find that the public utility commission the texas legislature they have all had an impact on how this thing works and how it actually happened this time around but that that's what this is being set up for that that this is a bad example of too much freedom yeah beto o'rourke has been out propagating this theme in, in the news channels. He has said that it's a Texas is a failed state. He's blaming Republicans for it, uh, saying the whole thing is collapsing. He's a national uh, state emergency. And yeah, call. I heard the thing about the, the state operating the operating this, and I thought of you because I said, this is infrastructure. They're going to call for the, the federal yeah. infrastructure. Well, and this, you're not going to get a smart grid in Texas under these circumstances. Yeah. The smart grid is about monitoring and control. Another just blatant, like you have to just look into it. They they count on you not knowing anything about anything, which we don't, you know, only we're highly specialized. But like one of the things it said is that there were frozen wind turbines that caused some of the problems. And then like the pro environmentalists like that is just minor compared to your fossil fuel problems. Wind turbines stop functioning at negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit. So like these are the kind of things that like there it wasn't negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit anywhere in Texas. So why? And yeah, you could say, well, it was old. It was decrepit. That makes no sense. I will need something more serious to a better analysis and ERCOT. So I thought it was going to be like PG&E. So every place in California that had the wildfires and the problems, always a government contractor was at the other end of it from a garbage truck to a utility worker to whatever government, big government contractors. PG&E actually had to go into receivership, I think, because of it and still caused trouble the next year. Southern California Edison. I found it there. They were causing the fire that was near my house, the Bobcat fire. But ERCOT is not 
it is it's really this consortium of mostly private things. And so when they're going to demand answers from those guys, my guess is the answer is going to be, well, we were told by the regulators. But that story is probably not going to get told. Yeah. And Beto made sure everybody knew that the reason that the GOP screwed this up is because they are not following the science. Okay, well, I've got it's it's funny because it goes deeper than this. There is. And and I believe that. But there were two crazy things that happened. One is I saw a lot of this uh, underlying stuff. And we even had a patron who said, I, I told you that. People were preparing, prepping in Texas, filling up water uh, uh, bathtubs and stuff. And it was all about the Trump thing. And so there are a lot of like Q type preppers who are already prepared for this. And that is really going to support the validity of the Q stuff. But the thing that was the craziest is that this guy, this uh, Tim Boyd, was the mayor of Colorado City in Texas. And he put out this insane quote in Facebook rant that he claimed was meant as a private person, but he resigned as mayor anyway. He said, if you don't have electricity, you step up and come up with a game plan to keep your family warm and safe. Get off your ass and take care of your own family. I would never want to help people. Uh, Oh, he says... No one owes you or your family anything, nor is it the local government's responsibility to support you during trying times like this. Sink or swim, it's your choice. The city, the county, along with power providers or any other service owes you nothing. I'm sick and tired of people looking for a damn handout. Uh, I mean, it just goes on and on. He, he said this people, before he said Yes, down. it's his bottom line. Quit crying and looking for a handout. Get off your ass and take care of your own family. So this is a a government worker saying, acting like there's this free market for utility. And I'm saying, you know, in in order for you to bring utilities to somebody's house, there is no doubt in my mind that given that there is a regulatory commission, the Public Utility Commission of Texas, they, they control these things. This is not you are not in a position to go out and. Uh, take control of your own situation because they have already controlled it. It's not this free. If it were a free market for pricing, these people would probably be rolling in the dough. I don't know. I don't know enough about it, obviously, to assess the the what should happen. But this guy is clearly uh, not a politician acting in his own self-interest. Yeah, that's why would you I mean, say I mean, that's setting yourself up to get. Yeah. And then I, of course, immediately found like the tweet that tells it all. It's like Republicans like City Mayor Tim Boyd are so deranged that they will, quote, personal responsibility and, quote, gaslight you into believing that gas and electricity uh, problems are yours, something like that. Yeah. I couldn't find the rest of the tweet because it was just, I don't know if it was erased or what, but it just, it laid out what you were supposed to get from it. Yeah. That this personal responsibility, which dovetails perfectly with the COVID thing where it's like, you know what? Where's all your personal responsibility now? Like now that you need a handout because your business failed because of a pandemic. And it's like, well... My business failed and my neighbor's business did not fail because of policy decisions that affected people unequally and were completely outside of the scope of the authority of the government that implemented it at the end, the point of a gun. So they're trying everywhere you look to disconnect cause and effect when it comes to uh, liberty and effort and all of that. Yeah. 
What I've noticed is when you start hearing them describing like Texas or the internet in general as the wild, wild west, then that is a signal that you're about to hear. We need to tame it with some federal regulations. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of regulations come in if they had their way, that's for sure. So, uh, but I would, before we get to our last story of the day, which is about, I guess, FEMA camps really have a place in this world. I don't know. It sounds very Alex Jones, but I think both of us can speak to that. And uh, a few other vaccine-related topics that you're going to want to hear. Also, in the Patron 15, I do have a is a little bit of a deeper dive into why these are not really vaccines. They're more gene therapy. Then I'll tell you what the risks of gene therapy also is. And Binkley is going to bring us some World Economic Forum, uh, how they are reaching their long spindly skeletal like fingers into the school that your children might be going to. Mm -hmm. But before we get to all of that, I would like to give a big shout out, big thanks to one of our big sponsors, the sponsor of today's show, True Hemp Science, who I told you about last time. I called my guy there. He gives great personal advice. I'm really looking forward to my uh, care package, let's call it. And what I love about this guy is, first of all, he really, really knows his stuff. He knows quality. He knows everything about it. He will answer all your questions. He doesn't make recommendations or anything. He's not allowed to do that, but you can really get educated. He really gives the time. He's very articulate, intelligent, thoughtful, and a real expertise with very high quality. And I, there are so many products that like over... It was overwhelming at first because there are tons of project products that he has. But two of the things that I absolutely love, one is the skincare stuff. This uh, this sensitive skin rub just totally healed my feet. I'm not even using it anymore. It's amazing. The ultra sports muscle rub, that stuff's pretty intense. I use that. I know, Binkley, you love the Acapulco Gold uh, body lotion, especially the way it smells. And there is actually skin a uh, skincare special going on. If you go to truehempscience.com slash prop report, you will go to our landing page. And if you use prop code as your promotional code, you can get a savings on some of these skincare products. But I also love, I really find it to be a little treat, especially in my um, alcohol-free Lent, is go <laughs> with the only exception of a couple of DPPs. I'll have my diet gin and tonic. But other than that, but I haven't given up CBD products because I think they're good for you. And I do highly recommend the gluten-free brownies, the gluten-free cookies, the gummies are super awesome all this stuff big treats really fun stuff and uh a you know he's a big supporter too so it's always good to support our supporters and if of i course, can throw in one thing there yeah. the cbd oil hemp roll-on it extra strength is when i have that sometimes when i play basketball my knee gets sore oh. rub the stuff on it and it does help it feel it does help it feel better it helps me see i haven't even i haven't even ventured into that area so if you you can actually find all of our sponsors and even our Shopify store on our website, which is getting better by the day, the And a few things you can do there 
You can register there, which will give us your email address. So far, we have not sent out a single mailing, but at least we will have the email in case we get deplatformed. I'm also going to put together a newsletter so people can find all the shows that we've done in that past month and everything we have scheduled. We're starting to do more live streaming. You're going to want to keep uh, up with that. You can donate from there. If you don't want to become a patron, you can donate at thepropreport.com. There's a donate button uh, just for a one-time thing. And there is also a button where you can subscribe through thepropreport.com. And one other thing that's there is the press pool. And oh, another thing is the meetup tab. So if you want to share headlines, you don't want to go to Twitter, you just want to talk to our listeners, thousands of our listeners visit that site, you can post your headlines, have your conversation in the press pool. And if you want to see where there's a meetup near you in the work, I'm actually going to start facilitating that maybe the East Coast in the spring and the West Coast in the fall. Go to the meetups tab and see if there's a location near you or even start one. So that's all our goodies for today that I have to tell you about today. Now on with the show and our last big story before the patron 15 is I I read a story. It was really funny because the story said that as winter weather disrupts vaccine deliveries, FEMA sets up camps to dispense the vaccines in L.A. and Oakland. Now, especially to minority communities, by the way. Now, for me, L.A. and Oakland are clearly not being hobbled by the winter storms. But I can, this is consistent with the world, was it the World Economic Forum with Council on Foreign Relations where they wanted to target minority communities because they were vax hesitant? Who was, where was Imran Ahmad speaking? That was the CFR. Yeah, the I think that was Council the CFR. On Foreign, I mean, the World Economic Forum also is one that wanted to do that. There was a rap video that was released a couple of days ago that Cuomo tweeted out that was the most condescending thing I've ever seen trying to get black people to be less vaccine hesitant. It's really outrageous, especially when you see the origin of it, that it's it's has it's not that they're underserved. It's that they're rightly skeptical. Why not give them their free will? Isn't propaganda? Isn't that manipulation of the mind? Just it's it should be. It should be unconstitutional. We should pass an amendment. Instead, they pass other things that allow it, that allow uh, us to be propagandized. It started with just like Gitmo. Started with, well, they're not Americans. It's like, you know what? Anybody who thinks that their rights are inherent or God-given shouldn't draw that line. And then, of course, like with Gitmo and loss of rights, it's going to turn domestic. Yeah. And in this political environment, people are promoting the use of propaganda. The citizen propagandist has emerged because of this political environment that we're in. There's and it's FEMA is not the only place pushing the vax. Yeah, Walgreens is as well because Walgreens has teamed up with Uber to provide free rides for COVID vaccines. They'll be testing this in Atlanta, trying to give easier access to underserved communities specifically. And they will also be rolling out several other initiatives in the coming months for mass distri- distribution, including they will have mobile sites and they will have off-site clinics as well. So they're gonna be. I guess bringing the vaccine to you so you don't have to go to the vaccine and Biden is trying to get more what he calls vaccinators more people to put the shots in other people's arms that reminds me of my sister who died of a fentanyl laced heroin overdose that is a really 
intense story. I should probably someday tell that story. It was four years ago. She, for years, they would, she would take, I believe they would send her some kind of vehicle, like either she could expense a taxi or whatever, that she would get a ride, government paid for, to a methadone clinic, also government paid for, yeah. to keep her addicted to heroin. It was the, or methadone, whatever. It was really crazy. I just it's remember saying, up. it's like, and when you see my 600 pound life, you're looking like these people are not working. And then when you see their enablers, you're like, are they really feeding a 600 yeah. pound person? It's food stamps. Yeah. They get food it, stamps. Yeah. So the government really facilitates what they want to happen to you, whether it's good for you or not. And I would just think to be in the company of food stamps and methadone, maybe you want to dig in a little bit. There's also new educational programs being created with the National Urban League to address the vaccine hesitancy as well. Oh, that's perfect. Well, we can talk a little bit more about that in the Patron 15. I do want to give a, a couple of thank yous to the newest patrons. Karen is a new patron, and we have some a uh, few others. James Thorn in the side is a patron. I like that. <laughs> Kim is a new patron. Welcome all. And CL has been with us since pretty much the beginning. So CL is a top patron. Karen, James, Thorne in the side, and Kim, thank you for being thank new you. patrons. And you all get to listen to the Patron 15 coming up. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform of the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. You can also check out our website at propreport.com and you can find our deep dive video podcast at rockfin.com slash propaganda report. We will talk to you in the Patron 15 or tomorrow. Have a fantastic rest of your day.